Well, hello and greetings, friends. This is Dr. Turner. This is the audio version of this article. I hope you enjoyed it. I had quite a lot of fun writing it, as well as the ability and the joy of diving deeper into the themes of this medication, as well as the larger issues that were exposed in terms of the corruption of our drug development and the lack, frankly, of the current system to bring excellent healthcare to bear. I think the example of ivermectin and molnupiravir are great examples. So let's dive right in together. Ivermectin, wonder drug, secrets of the medication that keeps on giving, and dirty little secrets of the failed and dangerous medication that Merck promoted instead, Molnupiravir. Greetings, dear friends. Inspired anew by my recent podcast with my friend, Dr. Corey, who must be considered the world's expert on the use of ivermectin in COVID, I wanted to share some summary insights with you about this truly astonishing medication. I like to call it the people's medicine. Why? Well, consider for yourself. From humble origins being discovered in a soil sample near a golf course in Japan, still the only place in the world it has been found, this natural little medicine has benefited human health like few others in history. For good reason, the Nobel Prize Committee called it, quote, a wonder drug and, quote, a splendid gift from the earth. And that was all before COVID. We know it won the 2015 Nobel Prize in Medicine for curing disfiguring parasitic diseases like elephantiasis and river blindness. We know it was listed on the WHO list of essential medications. And we know that it prevents COVID and saves lives via multiple different mechanisms. And here I list a couple of review articles to substantiate those points. But this is all fairly well known. I actually want to move beyond COVID and add value to the discussion by drawing your attention to all the other ways I believe this is truly a miracle medication. Number one, it revolutionized veterinary medicine and arguably stabilized the world's food supply. When released in 1981, ivermectin quickly became the top-selling veterinary medicine in the world, unique for its properties to effectively kill parasites internally and externally. Impacts range from saving Lassie from heartworms all the way to eradicating parasites in cattle, pigs, sheep, and goats. And in this latter capacity, it can be argued to have contributed significantly to stabilizing world livestock numbers slash food supply. Number two, it's active against the flu and RSV. It inhibits flu and RSV viral replication, which is why it's included in the FLCCC flu and RSV protocols. Bonus for all you world travelers, it is also active against Zika, Dengue, West Nile, Yellow Fever, and HIV. Number three, it reduces inflammation throughout the body. I remember raising a curious eyebrow the first time a patient told me, I took ivermectin and my hip arthritis felt better, or ivermectin helped my back pain. Then I did the research and found ivermectin has systemic anti-inflammatory effects. It blocks TNF-alpha, IL-6, and NF-kappa-beta. So, when a patient told me recently, I rubbed topical ivermectin on my eczema patches and it did wonders, I just smiled knowingly. Nothing like being informed. Number four, it improves the gastrointestinal microbiome by boosting levels of the probiotic bifidobacterium. Hopefully, we're all aware of the importance of maintaining a healthy GI tract microbiome, i.e., the value of probiotics. And this finding comes from the research of Dr. Sabine Hazan. But wait, there's more. Number five, it may help with athletic and sports performance 
by boosting cellular energy output in the heart. What? What if I told you that ivermectin allows heart muscle cells to more efficiently create energy, even when depleted of oxygen, which is what would happen with intense exercise? The fact that it works this way in heart cells creates the possibility that ivermectin could do the very same for all cells. Or, in full science geeky jargon, quote, Ivermectin increased mitochondrial ATP production by inducing COX-6A2, a subunit of the mitochondrial respiratory chain. Not surprisingly then, I recall overhearing an anecdote from the eminent COVID scientist Geert van den Bosch, PhD, who, by the way, started his career as a veterinarian. He related that racehorses that got ivermectin seemed to run faster. At the time, no one knew why. And now, drumroll please, the grand finale, the pinnacle, the apogee, the zenith, the ne plus ultra of this amazing medication. Number six, it has profound anti-cancer properties. How profound? Well, consider the following. It overcomes cancer cell resistance to chemotherapy. It inhibits a protein, PAK1, essential for the growth of more than 70% of all cancers. And it has multiple mechanisms of action against breast cancer specifically. Now, let's turn our attention to Merck's alternative, molnupiravir. Molnupiravir, that dog don't hunt. Let's turn our attention to a quote from the founder of Merck, that illustrious company who first developed and brought ivermectin to market. George Merck said this, quote, We try never to forget that medicine is for the people. It is not only for the profits. Amen, brother. Shoot, I guess current management didn't get the memo, though, because when presented with the preliminary evidence of its potential against COVID, Merck cravenly declined to study it any further, preferring instead to pump its own patented outpatient treatment, molnupiravir, which turns out to have quite the interesting history. It was originally developed by a pharmaceutical company, Pharmacet, which abandoned it in 2003 after discovering its mutagenic, a.k.a. cancer-promoting, properties. It was then picked up by Emory University, who secured $26 million of taxpayer grants from NIH and the Department of Defense and made a few tweaks to it. The rights were then bought by a flimsy stand-in, quote, biotech company, unquote, with no laboratories and no manufacturing facilities, run by hedge fund managers, who promptly turned around and upsold it to Merck after securing the rights to hundreds of millions of dollars in future profits. Merck then pitched it back to the U.S. government and secured $2.2 billion in a pre-purchase agreement before it was even approved. It then barely passed the FDA's Independent Safety Review Panel with 13 votes in favor of it and 10 against it because it, wait for it, creates mutations in the genome of the virus. Might it also do the same in the human genome? Hmm, nobody knows. All of which prompted a federal whistleblower to come forward and raise a first-class stink, which the FDA ignored and proceeded forward with emergency authorization based on one study that was terminated early. Background music, cue the $2.2 billion cha-ching sounds. How effective was it in that study? Of the 709 people who received molnupiravir, 6.8% were hospitalized or died within this period, compared to 9.7% of the 699 people who received a placebo. 
Let's translate that into plain English. If you were to treat 100 of those COVID patients with a sugar pill, 10 would have ended up in the hospital or dead. If you were to treat the same exact group with molnupiravir, seven people still did. So the drug only makes a difference compared to doing absolutely nothing in three out of 100 people. Which was so underwhelming that it was openly criticized in the British Medical Journal, which played a role in the British National Institute for Healthcare and Excellence, adding it to its quote, not recommended list, where it joined remdesivir, after research showed it made no significant difference in hospitalization or death rates and was not cost effective. What do you think, folks? Are you not entertained? Gladiator quote. You cannot make this stuff up. All of which is really quite interesting because when you compare molnupiravir and ivermectin head to head, you can see what a disgraceful, overpriced stink bomb it actually is. And here I reference a couple charts from the c19early.org website, which is amazing if you've never been there. And basically it says that ivermectin overall involved 99 major studies, 62% improvement in the outcomes measured at a cost of $1 per pill to manufacture. On the other hand, molnupiravir, based on 34 studies, showed a 15% improvement in the outcome metrics and yet cost $707 per pill. On the very same website, C19 Early, there's another chart that talks about how much money you'd have to spend to save one life from COVID. Ivermectin, you'd have to spend $24 to save one life from COVID. Merck's loud, obnoxious hot rod with the flashy rims that barely runs would require you to spend $137,653 to save one life from COVID. And with that, my friends, we conclude our story. Ivermectin, a chapter from history as thrilling as any Hollywood blockbuster, with as much pathos as a Shakespearean tragedy, as much subterfuge and intrigue as the best Le Carré spy novel, and as much determination, honor, and righteous indignation as the grittiest Clint Eastwood Western. And it's still being written. Power to the people. Oh, do you want some? And here you can click a button, which would take you to my website for a consultation regarding getting a hold of ivermectin if you were interested. Your partner in health and truth, I remain very graciously yours, Dr. Turner.